This recording was produced by Green Lane Masjid. For more information on the activities and services the mosque provides, please visit www.greenlanemasjid.org. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. And alhamdulillahi na'hmaduhu wa nasta'inuhu wa nasta'khiru wa na'udhu billahi min shururi anfusina wa min sayyiyati amalina. من يهده الله فلا مضل له من يدلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله صلوات الله والسلام عليه أما بعد فإن خير الكلام كلام الله وخير الهدى هدى رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم وشر الأمور محتفاتها وكل محتفة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار. We come to hadith number 27 today or 37. Inshallah we have three more hadith to deal with from the book of our Sheikh Abu Al-Halith Ali Hassan Al-Halabi Rahmatullah Alayhi Rahmatun Wasi'ah. And the next two hadith are actually connected to what's going on right now with this movie, The Lady of Paradise, the movie about Fatima Zahra and the kathib that the people made against the Sayyida of the Kuhul of Ahl al-Jannah, Abu Bakr and Umar, radiyallahu anhum ajma'een. And it also has to, a lot to do with Islamophobia that we find all over the world, especially in Europe and in America where they make a lot of kithib and nifaq about people's rights. But people are against al-Islam. Both of these hadith are dealing with this. So it's just not a daras of kalam. It's a daras that we have to pay attention to, wallahi. So today's hadith, the narrator is Khabbab ibn al-Arat. May Allah be pleased with him and his father. Khabbab, may Allah be pleased with him. He was one of the poor Muslims who accepted al-Islam early on in Islam. As Allah called them in the Quran, He was from those first people in Mecca who embraced the deen. He was number six. And he was an, an, an ex-slave. He had no power like Bilal. Anhu, like Sumayya and Yasir and Ammar, like Abdullah bin Mas'ud. These people were from the first Muslims and they didn't have a tribe, they didn't have relatives to protect them. So they had to deal with a lot. So in our community, there are those people who work with non-Muslims and they're racist. You live around non-Muslims and they're racist. They give you trouble, they give you problems. The Muslim sister gets spat on. Sometimes at our job, the way that they're dealing with us is a problem. Office politics, they're racist against you. These people, they exemplified and they showed us how to deal with this stuff. Not like what some of our Shabbat used to do years ago when we pray and hope to Allah that our Shabbat have left this stuff. Going to Syria, 7-7, stabbing members of parliament, and stuff like that. That's not Dawid Allah. And this is one of the strongest hadith in the Sunnah of the Prophet to show us that. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Khabbab said that he went to the Kaaba and the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in Mecca, the beginning of Islam, he was in a cloak under the shade of the Kaaba. And Khabbab went to him and said, Ya Rasulullah, afala tastansur lana, afala tadullah lana. Look what we, we going through all of this, Ya Rasulullah, this persecution, this hostile environment of Mecca. It's not what we're dealing with today. We have issues. It's what the Uyghur Muslims are dealing with, like that. Palestinians are dealing with it. Kashmiri Muslims are dealing with it. Those kind of, the Uyghur Muslims, the it's like that. Like Ethiopian Muslims are dealing with. Where it's just not hostility towards you, but you lose your life. So Chabad, he came 
Rasulullah, your dua is mustajab. You make dua to Allah Azzawajal. Afala tadullah lana. Make dua against them. Tastansur lana. Ask Allah to help us. Rasulullah sat up, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, as a teacher and a muallim, and he said, Verily, there used to be people who came before you from those who believed. A man would be taken from the believers from before, and a hole would be dug for him, and he would be put in that hole where he couldn't move. And then they would bring a saw, and they would put it in the middle of his head, and they would saw his head in half. And that would not cause the man to leave his religion. That happened to anybody here? Anything remote to that happened to anybody here? Yes, the girl got spat on and that's not nice. On the bus, someone said something out of the side of their neck on the train. It wasn't nice. He went to the soccer game, the football game over here, the Blues, wherever, Liverpool. And there's some races there and they say stuff to you. But anybody ever do that to you? So the prophet told him that's what happened to a man. He said another man would be bought and he would be put in a hole. And then they would bring a comb, an iron comb that had been put in the fire and then they'll put that comb on that man and they will separate his flesh from his bones and his nerves and while he was going through that it wouldn't stop him from his religion he wouldn't apostate from his religion now today we have people who just blow on people and Muslims don't want to be Muslims anymore and it doesn't help some of these imams who are out here confusing the Muslims as well but that was a persecution that those people were going through. So the Prophet ﷺ taught him a lesson and taught us a lesson. And that is, Don't look at the people above you. Look at the people who have it worse off than you. You don't have money, there are people who have less money than you. You're hungry, there are people more hungrier than you. You have a problem, there are people who have bigger problems than you. So Rasulullah told us, Anybody who has problems, compare your problems to my problems. Your problems will, com- will pale in comparison. And Allah idha ahab al-abd ibtala yubtala al-abd ala qadr deenihi. If Allah loves a person, he gives him trials and tribulations. Allah will try you based upon your religion. If you got a strong religion, he's going to try you. You have a weak religion, he won't try you to that degree as a rahmat to you. So we look at people who are lesser than us. And that's what he said. That was this teaching. This is what happened, Ya Khabbab. You're in front of me, talking to me, complaining right now. Quraysh didn't do that to you. Although Quraysh did similar things. They put Bilal in the desert and they used to put iron on him. They would make him lie in the iron bed. They would put hot rocks on him. Khabbab. They put on his back. They burnt his back. They would stab you. They would cut you, put salt in your wounds. They were doing all kind of stuff. And it was the way that people today watch Netflix. This was a celebration for them. They would get high and get drunk and just entertain themselves with this stuff. Tying up the people. Tying up people's mother like they tied up Sumeya, First lady who was killed. First shaheed in Al-Islam was a woman. That doesn't mean that we encourage our Muslim women to go out and make jihad and make... That's not what that is saying. But because she came from a weak background, they killed her in front of her son. And then killed her husband in front of her son and let him go. That happened to you? So yes, in India, there's oppression towards the Muslims in India. What they do with the hijab of the woman, what those politicians are saying... Nasty, racist, apartheid politicians. So the Nabi told him, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, this story to say, look, there you got it bad, but some people got it worse. And then he went on to tell him, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, and he swore by Allah. He said, Wallahi, Allahu al-amr, hatta yasir al-raqib min san'a ila hadr mawt, wa la yakhafu illallah, wa dhikba ala ghanimi. He said, I swear by Allah, I swear, two times. I swear by Allah, I swear that this religion of Islam is going to be complete. Allah will complete this religion. You're on a right team, ya akhi, not on a losing team as a Muslim. Don't be faint-hearted. That's what Allah commanded us in the Quran. 
ولا تهنوا ولا تحزنوا وانتم الاعلون ان كنتم مؤمنين don't be sad don't be weak when you people are the upper ones with Allah even if it returns in mad d we don't have money we don't have numbers but we have Allah he said I swear by Allah this religion this is in Mecca this religion of Al-Islam this religion where you are a member of this religion and you coming to me for help and I'm not going to give you that help of dua I'm telling you I will give you the weapon of knowing the information of the people went before you so you got to have iman you have to have yaqeen you have to have sabr وجعلنا منهم ائمه يهدون بامرنا لما صبروا وكانوا باياتنا يوقنون we made from them imams leaders when they had patience and they had yaqeen allah said we made them imams when they had sabr with what was bothering them and yaqeen that the promise of allah is going to happen subhanallah some of these non muslims from the nasara and the yahud they believe in their book and they believe they're going to jannah with yaqeen za'amu and the muslim doesn't know he's not sure am i on the right right thing is the religion true so we told him sallallahu alaihi wasallam i swear by allah I swear by allah this religion is going to be complete to the point and the degree where a man in the future not today in mecca in the future inshallah a man will travel from sana'a to hadramaut that could be the two cities of al-yemen or it could be yemen and another city in sham it could be that it could be this the important thing a long distance a man will travel and he won't be afraid of anything except allah his lord and the wolf from eating his sheep now i don't have the time to go all deep into the background of everything that that means but you got to picture this optic during that time in jahiliya there was no khilafa there were no police so as a result of that there was nahab highway robbers marauders like you have in nigeria and mali and some of these muslim places pakistan you go on the frontiers you get robbed you driving people will pull you over and and kidnap you hold you for ransom kill you take your wife right now in the muslim world right now in sokoto and these places like that boko haram shabab these people compromise the security of the muslim lands so back in jahili it was like that you come to a man's house you come to his tent he put you in slavery take you sell you in slavery they will rob you if you were going across that desert who's going to stop them so the prophet was saying al-islam sallallahu alaihi wasallam the religion of peace wallahi for the people when they practice it the right way even the non-muslims is going to settle in the land and you're not going to have this problem ya khabab just be patient and have yaqeen about what i'm telling you the time is going to come a man would travel this long distance and he's not afraid of lack of security only thing he's afraid of is his lord rabbil alamin and he's afraid of you know the natural things you're afraid of scorpions snakes the wolf wild dogs hyena something like that but you're not afraid of another human being coming to do that to you why because when al-islam spread the people who used to be marauders and things like that became muslim so they stopped doing that The ones who remained on that, Al-Islam dealt with them. Got got rid of them. You done. And then the other ones, they were scared. They say, hey, "You do this in Islam, you got so they they stopped because of the security that Al-Islam brought." And the prophet said that in Mecca, sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Now this hadith is a tremendous hadith. We'll try to get with much as we possibly can today. But it's one of those hadith you have to go back. You have to go back and read it for yourself. Before getting to this hadith, I have to say this. Coming into an Islam and going to Medina and being exposed to Al-Imam Al-Albani, this was one of those hadith that Al-Albani used to always say, always tell the people all the time, "Fa'a al-shabab." Because the shabab were mutahammisun, Hamas. Back then, it was worse in the UK, it was worse. It was worse. 
And we pray to Elijah not to let us see that stuff again. People doing this madness, going over to Syria and doing 7-7 and throwing their lives away. It's madness. Not our religion. That's not our religion. So he would tell those groups, those political groups, the Takfiri people, he would tell these groups, what are you doing? The same thing the Prophet said in this hadith. At the end of the hadith, he said to Khabab, He said, this will happen to that man, and that will happen to this man, and that wouldn't deter them from their religion. I swear, I swear by Allah, this religion is going to take over. It's going to be prevalent everywhere. Until the man will travel from Sana'a to Hadramaut, he won't be as afraid of anyone but Allah and from the wolf. He said, but you people are in haste. You are mustajil khabab. You coming to me to ask me to help? You're not having patience. We'll come to that. He told khabab. Khabab was getting burnt. Khabab was getting hit, beat up, pushed down, stomped on, stomped out. That's how he was doing. Abu Dhar al-Ghaffari used to hide with the Muslims in Darul Arqam. Listening, learning from the Nabi. He was so pumped up, one day he came out and he went to the Kaaba and said, Ashadu an la ilaha illallah. Ashadu anna Muhammad abduhu wa rasul. Those people of Quraysh beat him down. They beat him so bad, they beat him to a pulp. They beat him down. He ran away from them and went down to the Zamzam water. That's how bad it was. And yet the Prophet told him, you're mustajil, you're in haste. You got beat down like that? And you're asking me to help you? You're in haste. We'll come to that, inshallah. First thing we want to mention about the Hadith Ikhwani is that a Sheikh Ali al-Halabi, he had to deal with a lot of this stuff. A Sheikh al-Bani had to deal with a lot of this stuff. You start teaching and educating, you're going to have those people from inside of the ummah, from outside of this ummah, they're going to make trouble for you. Ali al-Halabi was fighting against takfiris, who said his blood was halal. He was giving dawah, exposing Sufis, who had power in the place. All of these groups, the ghulat, all of these people, we had to deal with them. And we saw with our own eyes, especially in the last 10, 15 years, when this drama of the ghulat started, we saw with our own eyes a, a good example of someone who has sabr. Sabr kedari. May Allah have mercy upon him. Forgive him for his mistakes and his shortcomings. He used to not push back ignorance with ignorance. He was always Halim, Rahim, Ra'uf with these people. Always. Not like some of us. Some of us say, well, Allah, I'll never forgive you. I'm not forgiving you. He wasn't like that. So in regards to the hadith, the Prophet mentioned, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, wallahi, and he swore two times. Anytime the Nabi of Islam swears, you got to know that it's important. He never swears by anything other than Allah, and he never swears on something that is not important. This is important. For him to swear to the man is for the man to have no doubt about what he's about to tell him. Because being in the condition in the shoes of Khabab, he's not on the level of Yaqeen, of the Nabi of Islam, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, the level of Iman. Rasulullah saw things in Jannah, saw things in the hellfire. Rasulullah did so many things, Al-Isra wa Mi'raj. He saw things. Whereas, we don't see those things. Not on his level, but we see enough, we see enough to believe in Allah and have no doubt, like this hadith. And Imam al-Bayhaqi has a book called Kitab Dala'il al-Nabuwa, the book that brings those hadith that prove Rasulullah is a Nabi, and this is one of them. How did he know that this was going to happen in the future? That the future was for Islam and Islam was the future. How did he know that? So he swore by Allah not once but twice. He swore by Allah two times that Allah is going to establish this religion. So we want to take this time out to say the salaf of this ummah, they didn't swear a lot. One of the great tabi'een, his name is Ibrahim al Nakhai. Ibrahim al Nakhai. He said that the companions used to hit 
them. They used to hate the tabi'een. يَدْرِبُونَهُمْ وَيُؤَدِّبُونَهُمْ If they swore too much. Rasulullah didn't swear all the time. If you're a person who's always saying, Wallahi, 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 that's not what the Nabi was upon, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, nor was that what his companions were upon, nor the salaf of our ummah, al-imam Ahmed. There's a book that someone wrote about al-imam Ahmed, al-masail, al-lati halaf alayha al-imam Ahmed. Those Mas'alas, the masail that Imam Ahmed said, Wallahi, Tallahi, Suwah. And it's only a few things that he did that. Because that's what they were upon. Don't be a person who swears a lot. The one who swears a lot for no reason are the munafiqun, the hypocrites. Don't be a person everything, Wallahi, Wallahi, Wallahi. That is a characteristic that is mavmuma. It is not nice. It's one of the many characteristics of the munafiqeen. اتخذوا ايمانهم جنة فصدوا عن سبيل الله They use their ayman, their swearing as a shield. And as a result of that, they lead people astray, away from the way of Allah. So they use it as a wallahi to get things, to shield them from the wallahi, wallahi and he's lying. So you can swear, but you only swear by Allah. And you only swear when it's necessary for big things. If you don't do that, something's wrong with your aqidah. Something's wrong with your tawheed. In Kitab al-Tawheed, there is a chapter called Bab Maja'an Kathrat al-Halif. The chapter of what comes to us about swearing a lot. It's the connection between that and tawheed. The person who has Tawheed doesn't say Wallahi, Wallahi, Wallahi in one sentence 10, 15 times for something small. He waits to say it so that when people hear him say Wallahi, they wake up. That's how the father has to be. That's how the mother has to be. And that's how we have to train our children. So when the Prophet swore, Sallallahu Alaihi wa Alaihi Wasallam, this is from that bab and this is what is important. Second thing, in his sway, he said, Layatimullahu had an amr. Wallahi, Allah is going to make the itmam of this religion. Itmam. That's the same meaning of the ayat in the Quran. And today, I have completed for you your religion. And I have completed for you my ni'mah, my favor unto you. That wasn't the last ayat that was revealed, but in terms of the condition that the Muslims were in prior to this ayat, prior to this ayat, the condition was what Chabad was dealing with. You couldn't go to the Kaaba and pray. You're, you're under siege. They were boycotting you. You didn't have food. People were hungry. But when this ayat was revealed, it established that al amin security and peace was for the Muslims. There were more ayahs to come because the Prophet had some more life to live. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. But the ayat of a safe in Surah At-Tawbah, that ayat was operable now. And now it, it, it abrogated all of those ayahs about turn the other cheek. As-saf, al-afu, no more of that. We're going to deal with you. It's going to be jihad and other than that. So that ayat is the same as that. It's the same as those many ayat of the Quran. Allah Ta'ala mentioned before the Prophet died, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, huwa alladhi arsala rasooluhu bilhuda wa deen al-haqqi liyudhiruhu ala deen kullihi walau kariha al-kafirun. Allah is the one who sent his messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, with the religion of truth and guidance, that he would proclaim his religion over every other religion. And that's what happened in Mecca. And that's what happened in Medina. As Allah said it in that ayat, يُرِيدُونَ لِيُطْفِئُوا نُرُ اللَّهِ بِأَفْوَاهِهِمْ وَيَعْبَ اللَّهُ إِلَّا يَتِمَّ نُرُهُ وَلُوْ كَرِيَ الْكَافِرُونَ They want to extinguish the light of Allah, the deen, by blowing on it with their mouths. But Allah refuses that anything but his deen is going to be established, even though the non-Muslims may detest it. It's going to be established. So I ask you guys, وَلَلَّهِ الْمَثُلُ الْأَعْلَى That sun up there in the sky... If they were to bring the biggest fans in the dunya, the biggest ones that are here, bring them all together, and they put those fans on the sun, 
would that extinguish the light of the sun? I ask you, would it? If all the people on the earth got on the same page, same plateau, along with those fans and propellers from planes or whatever, and everybody blew, would that extinguish the light of the sun? Hey, hot, hey, hot. Never. And the deen of Allah is awesome than the light of that shims. So these non-Muslims, the Uyghurs, Al-Iraq, all the games that they play, the future is for Islam. Islam is for the future. You're not dealing with what Khabab had to deal with. And this hadith turned out to be true. So if it's true for him, why is it not true for us? Now, we don't like to see the people getting dogged out and getting oppressed. But as a Muslim, this is one of the problems that happened with the Shabbat. And it still happens. The Shabbat are walking around upset, saying, why is Islam so low? Why is this? And they just want to do something to help. Hey, brother, pump your brakes. The feeling that you have, that's okay. But you cannot become a person who you become so negative that the glass is half empty. I have to do something, whether it's legislated or not legislated, just because I feel this way. You're not helping Islam. You better take it easy. You better slow your roll and calm down and take it easy. The great scholar of Islam, Imam Ibn al-Qayyim, about these ayahs that I mentioned, he said, if Allah if Allah didn't make it his responsibility to take care of the deen, the way he promised in these ayat and ahadith, he said, clearly this deen would have fallen over on his pillars. Why? Because of so many people who hate this religion, even today. These people want to destroy this religion. They want to destroy it from within with these passionate imams who are just tripping us out with what they're saying. Tripping us out. And from without, they want to destroy our religion. Imams telling us things that we know are from the Kaba'ir. You can't take a position on that. But Allah is the one who made it his responsibility, and as a result of that, here we are. Islam is still growing. We're Muslims. The Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi wa sallam, he came with the religion at that time, and it was in a hostile environment, and that's for some wisdom, so that we can learn. If you're having a condition similar to that, then behave the same way that those ayat, behave in the same way that those ayat that were revealed at that time and for these incidents and the ahadith that were mentioned of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Simple as that. How in the work? Somebody need to go check this situation out. If there's some security, you need to check this situation before we have a problem here. Something ain't right with that. So from the benefits of the hadith, Ikhwan, everybody up here, everybody up here, from the benefits of the hadith is that the hadith clearly shows that the future is for Islam, and Islam is the future. The future is for Islam. Ya Akhi, Ya Akhi, are you okay? Hey, hey, let him go, 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 let the man go, let him go, let him go. Let him go, let him go, let the man go. Let the man sit down if he's going to sit down. Huh? So as we were mentioning, may Allah make it easy. May Allah make it easy. May Allah make it, make it easy. Kulu amin. The future is for Islam and Al-Islam is the future. Listen, listen, listen very carefully. Hey, my man, hey, my man, listen, either you're going to have to be quiet or we're going to have to ask you to leave the place. What are you doing? Salam. Salam, salam. Salam, Munalik. Salam, Akhi. Now listen, Ikhwani, if you see something going on, why somebody from amongst the audience? This is the bait of Allah. It's not Abu Sama's house. It's everybody in his house. And Amr Maruf and Nahim Munkar is not for one person to always do the thing. 
You yourself sitting there, you have to see the situation going on, and you may be the best one to handle it. You may be the best one. Not the one who gets up, because he's going to cause it to become exasperated. Now, I don't understand that. I have a message full of people, and everybody's going to sit here, and this is going to keep going on. If you see something, don't wait for me. Guy want to accept the slam. Don't wait for me. You go. You give him the slam. You handle the situation. This is Allah's masjid. When those companions, radiallahu anhu, saw the Bedouin urinate, did they all sit around? Did they just sit around and say, oh, look, look, look at the Bedouin, what he's doing over there? They got ready to deal with him. Not that I'm condoning being aggressive or violent. No. I'm making the point. They didn't sit there. They got up and said, what are you doing? You can't, def- you can't urinate in the masjid. And Rasulullah told them, leave him alone. Leave him alone. But it goes to show that they were going to do something about the situation. What kind of Islam? Or, or what, what is this? Al-amru bin ma'roof and nayyan al-munkar. Rasulullah used to take the bay'ah from people that that's what you do. This masjid is your masjid. Allah's house. The lines are not straight. You straighten the line. You tell people. Straighten the line. And that's one of the things about our masjid, Green Lane. You have some masjids are too rough and tough. And then you have those that are too easy. Too easy. Tasakul. We want to be in the middle, in the middle. So as it relates to the future being for Islam and Islam being the future, when the Prophet ﷺ left Mecca and he was with Abu Bakr, escaping for his life, ﷺ, he ran into a man who was a kafir by the name of Suraqat ibn Malik. He became a Muslim much later. He said, could you be my Dalil? What do you know about Quraysh? He didn't want to get involved. But he said, okay, I'll take you where you want to go. As they were traveling, the Nabi said to this man who was a non-Muslim, Ya Suraka, Kaifa Bika. How is it going to be, Suraka, when you come in possession of the bracelets and the treasures of Kisra, the Avim of Persia? Suraka said, what? Kisra? Thinking that maybe it's another Kisra, not Kisra Hurmuz from Persia, the big leader of Persia, a bigger empire than the Arabs. I'm going to get his bracelets, his, his, his treasures. What Kisra? What Kisra? Like is a Bedouin someone's name Kisra? He said Kisra, Ibn Hurmuz. And sure enough, during the Khilafah of Umar, radiallahu anhu, they defeated those Persians. And Umar brought the crown of Kisra and put it on the head of Siraqa. And Umar brought the bracelets. He didn't put those bracelets on. Bracelets for women. He brought the belt, expensive, and he gave it to the man. And the man wasn't even a Muslim when the Prophet said that to him, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Rasulullah had no doubt that Al-Islam was going to prevail. Why? How? how? Because he's divinely inspired by Allah. And he brought a religion that if a person reads about the deen, he really learns about the He just doesn't believe in Allah haphazardly, just iman. No. Too many things happen to show that the Nabi of Islam has been sent by Allah and that this religion is from Allah. Another example of that, and there are many as well, is what happened at the Khandaq, the Khandaq when they were going to do the battle of the ditch and the people were trying to dig the, the ditch around Uhud to save themselves and make it difficult for the non-Muslims. They came to a rock that they couldn't get it out. The Prophet ﷺ took his clothes off, took his izar off, put it down. He had something else under there. He took like an axle and he said, Bismillah, and he hit it. It broke into a third. He said when those sparks came off, I see the castles of a sham, the white castles of a sham. The companions say, Ya Rasulullah, make dua to Allah that we get that in the war booty and we defeat them and take their, their riches. He made that dua. He hit it a second time. The sparks came out. A third broke off. He said, I see the Medat in the Persia, those different cities of wealth that were in Persia. He said, I see the red castles. They say, Ya Rasulullah, make dua to Allah that we get them, we then jihad, we take it. He made dua. He hit it the third time. And the sparks came out. He said, I see that I've been given the keys of Yemen. 
all of those places came under his authority, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. The authority of Al-Islam. Al-Imam Al-Bayhaqi. Kitab Dela'il al-Nabuwa. How is he going to say that? And then this comes true because he's divinely inspired by Allah. He says, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, inna allaha zawali al-ard fara'aytu masharikaha wa magharibaha wa inna mulka ummati sayablughu ma zuwiyali minha. Allah Azzawajal brought the earth together. This big earth. He said, Allah brought this big earth together for me. And he made it so that I could see the east and the west. And I saw everything that was in the earth. Now, there are some non-Muslims, if you were to say that, they would think upon hearing what I'm saying that we are crazy people. I say, no. I find that easier to believe than to believe that it's normal for a man to want another man. Me, that's what I find difficult to understand. But they're going to always make us feel on the defensive all the time. And then we have those imams. We have those imams who are apologetic. What are you talking about? I'm a minority, African-American. I'm a Muslim. Yeah, I'm a minority. That doesn't mean I have to support every agenda of every minority. We support what's right. Don't support what's wrong. Simple as that. Because I'm a minority, I have to support every other minority. What kind of fiqh is that? So the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said that. When the companions heard that, all it did was inspire them like it should inspire you. Because Al-Islam has not reached all of those places. He said in the authentic hadith sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, swearing again, This religion of Al-Islam is going to spread out to every single place where there's a daytime and there's a nighttime. And Allah won't leave any house, whether it's made out of straw, mud, whatever is made out of clay, whatever, except Al-Islam is going to enter into that house. Many ahadith, they asked him, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Ya Rasulullah, which Medina, which city will be conquered first? Would it be Al-Qistantiniya? You know, um, Turkey over there. Byzantine, would it be that? Or would it be Rome? He said, Qistantinia, Tuftah The Muslims, when they conquered Spain, they were moving forward. They were about to go through Europe. But from the Qadr of Allah. Right now, the Vatican is in Rome. I'm not telling anybody, go do anything crazy in the Vatican. I'm talking theology here, religion here, history here. Nobody said, go over to the Vatican and do anything. But the Vatican right now has Christianity in it. That hadith of the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam lets us know Rome is going to have Islam in that place. It didn't happen yet. So whatever you see about what's going on with the Muslims, with those Uyghurs, there's a terrible situation. Palestinians living in an open, in an open concentration camp. Being perpetrated by people whose relatives and forefathers were put in concentration camps. Claiming a connection with Musa. So when you see that, make dua, feel bad about it, feel sad, because we're like one body, but never give up hope, and never become an individual who you have what is, you know, you give up the hope of Allah. It's just, you know, you know, he just gives up, it's not gonna, and so he does something that is not acceptable, that's religiously not acceptable. Because we have a hadith to tell you, be patient. You have to have sabr. You have to have yaqeen. Not emotions like that. So the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi wa sallam, he brought us a number of ayat. And there are many in the Quran to this very day. We're not going to go through all those ayat. In tansurullah yansurkum yuthabbit aqdamakum. You Muslims, if you help Allah, Allah will help you and establish your feet firmly. That's right now, the Muslims did that. But how do you help Allah? You help Allah by practicing religion. You help Allah by not making shit with Allah. You help Allah by unconditionally following the Nabi, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, being better Muslims, basically. Many ayat like that. Many ayat. 
Allah has promised those who believe and do righteous deeds, He's going to give them the khilaf in the earth. Why don't we have that? Because we're not living up to the condition. That's all. It's not because it's not going to happen. There will always be a group of people from this ummah who will be victorious on the hop until Yom Qiyamah. All of those ahadith and ayat are showing and telling us the future is for Islam. So it's not acceptable and it's not religiously correct or sound for a young Muslim to start being overwhelmed with grief about, look at the condition of the ummah. Yeah, be patient. Be patient. And does being patient mean you just twiddle your thumbs? No, it means get up for fajr every day. It means those kind of things. Practice your religion. You can't have a masjid the size of Green Lane and half of us don't pray fajr on time. And then wonder why, what's going on. Or all of the people in this masjid right now, we all know people connected to us from our relatives, friends, co-workers who don't pray from the Muslims. Our children don't pray. So for the youngster to... And this is why, again, these jama'at, the CSC, these political Islamic groups, the guy gets on there and he's really animated and he's passionate and he is sincere. But that kalam that you're talking, brother, you might as well be on Mars, man. Because right here on planet Earth, we have a lot of work to do between ourselves. Somebody comes in the masjid of the people and can carry on and no one feels it's his responsibility. Let me solve this problem. And it's not like I'm blaming you guys. It's just that nobody's really paying attention. We're all tired. No, can't be tired like that. You got to be switched on. Because the switched on ummah and community is the one that allows, not the people sleeping. We slept enough. There's people out here playing chess, hardball, and we playing checkers, softball. He's on and on and you ain't on. What are you talking about, man? It's people trying to destroy us, destroy our kids, destroy our Akita. That's what you're on. All you have is time to fight us, each other? What are you talking about? In regards to the issue, Ikhwani, listen, the question now is why would the Nabi of Islam say, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, to this man who was being persecuted? He got, he got burns on his back to prove it. Abu Dhar al-Ghaffari, he got knots on his head. You know, they didn't have stitches back then. You get busted open, you bust it open. That's going to be on you for a minute. They had battle scars. This is in Mecca. Why would the Prophet tell him, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, walakinnakum tasta'jilun, you in haste. Didn't you know what happened to those men in the past? You get the comb, you get sword. You in haste come and asking me to make dua. The meaning of that is, as it relates to this time in Mecca, in Mecca, you're in haste. There's a future, inshallah. There is a future. And if you were able to fast forward, Ya Khabab, Ya Ahmed, Ya Bilal, Ya Nuruddin, Jamil, Khalawi, Ya Farooq, if you were able to fast forward, Ya Khabab, if you were able to do that, fast forward to the battle of Badr, Ya Khabab, that's some years in front of you. You can't see that right now. But we have to go through this stuff. Alif Lam Mim. Ahasib al-Nas. An yutraku an yakulu amanna. Wahum la yuftanun. Walaqad fatanna al-lazina min qablihim. Falaya'lamanna Allahu al-lazina sadaqu. Walaya'lamanna al-sadiqeen. Al-kathibeen. Do you people think you're going to just be left alone saying we believe? And you don't get tried like the people who were tried before you. You're going to be tried, man. Your dean is going to be tried. I believe and that's it. Munafiqun, they said they believe. People who have weak religion, they say they believe. No, you're going to be tried like the people who came before you. That's the sunnah of Allah Azza With his prophets, his messengers, and their ansar. You got to go through that. Fast forward only to the war of Badr, 
the first war between the Muslims and the non-Muslims. Ya Khabbat, with all of what you're doing, fast forward. In that war of Badr, there were 70 people from the chiefs of Quraysh who were killed. 70. And then another 70 were taken as captives. 70. And then the others were wounded and cut all up and they ran with their lives. Can you imagine what was the mashair and the feeling of those first companions being persecuted like that and having to deal with what they dealt with? And then on the day of Badr, when that happens, you can't imagine the level of farhan and farh that those people had. That day is coming, inshallah, and better days than that. So don't be mustajil here in Mecca. That's what the Prophet was telling him, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and that's what the Prophet is telling us. The Prophet of Islam is telling us. But if I'm a person who I don't read the hadith, it's a, a shame, it's a crying shame for a person to connect himself to Alul Hadith, Masjid Alul Hadith, like up in the north. May Allah bless the brothers who started those masjids and the jam'i of Alul Hadith in Pakistan, India, Bangladesh, wherever they are. But here, how can you, how can you be in a masjid called Alul Hadith and you don't read the hadith? You don't read hadith about aqid, about fiqh, about history, about what's going to happen, about how to deal the fit then, we don't read it. But I'm Alul Hadith because I have these four, five, six, seven masail that some of these other groups, Brawi and Deo Bundis, they don't do. Or they do it and we, we, we don't do it. That's not Alul Hadith. That's not Salafiyah. Alul Hadith is people learning about their religion according to what's easy for them. And, and, but you got to make an effort. You have, to be, you have to make an effort. I'll never forget, as long as I live, I was in a masjid up in the north years ago. And there was some, some, some tension in that masjid. It was a masjid of Alul Hadith. And one of the elders from Alul Hadith when the younger brothers were coming in, they were making more activity. The elders said, these Salafis are trying to take over the message of Alul Hadith. Salafis, Alul Hadith, is synonyms, man. La, la, saab. It's a synonym. One and the same. But he didn't understand that. So Salafi was something else. And no, I'm not punching down on Alul Hadith. I'm just saying, it's my umbuggy. It's my umbuggy. So in regards to the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi wa sallam telling Khabbab, I want to say to you people, then Umar, may Allah be pleased with him, bring as the Nabi said, the Taj of Kisra, and he brought his bracelets that he used to wear, and he brought his belt of his rule, and he gave it to that man, who when he first told him the man was a non-Muslim, he wasn't even a Muslim. And is that a sign that Rasulullah knows the ilm al-ghayb? No. He only knows the ilm al-ghayb of what Allah told him. So now today, a person will come and say, look, this is a delil that he knows the ilm al-ghayb. And that's why our community is in the condition that it's in. It's in the condition that we're in because the way we are as individuals and families, married, the way we got married, the way we get divorced, how we're raising our children, how we're dealing with challenges. And as everybody has a hand in it, the du'at, the imams, everybody, everybody, except that the one that Allah gave him, divine protection. So I say to you, Allah mentioned in the Quran about himself, يُدَبِّرُ الْأَمْرِ مِنَ السَّمَاءِ إِلَى الْأَرْضِ ثُمَّ يَعْرَجُ إِلَيْهِ فِي يَوْمٍ كَانَ مِقْدَارُهُ كَانَ مِقْدَارُهُ أَلْفَ السَّنَةٍ مِمَّا تَعُدُّونَ Allah is the one who the affair, the Amr, the Amr. He sends it down from the heavens to the sky. He sends it from the earth to the sky. And the word goes up to him. It takes about a thousand years in your estimation. One thousand years. A day to Allah in the hereafter can be like 50,000 years up to Allah. So I say to you, whatever the Muslims are dealing with right now in the way of drama and problems like the Uyghur situation, 
the Uyghur situation. Be patient. That day is going to come. We hope that the situation is solved before Yom Qiyamah. We want to live in opulence, as the Prophet said, will happen. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. When the Mahdi comes, and the Mahdi, along with Isa ibn Maryam, they do away with the Dajjal, and they do away with Ya'juj and Ma'juj, when Allah does away with them, there's going to be opulence in the world for the people of Islam. Islam is going to, the Muslim has to believe that. But while believing that, he doesn't sit there and he just twiddle his thumbs like that. He has to get on that Surat al-Mustaqim and go step by step. It's not your job, it's not your responsibility to arrive to the promised land, to victory. That's not, Allah didn't make that our job. Our job is to stay the course and to stay on the Surat al-Mustaqim. That's our job. These groups, these jama'at, they're a problem. They're a problem. Because the way they understand things and the da'wah that they give is, we want this right now. So what we're going to do is, we're going to make khuruj against the leaders. That's going to create more problems. We're going to revolt against the leaders of Islam. And then the people from these political groups say, oh, you people, you're the puppets of the hukam. No, ya akhi. This is what the Prophet told us to do and told us not to do, what you're calling to. Making tahyij and agitating the community against the leaders and the leaders against the community. It's what we shouldn't do. Just like you are a married man. You are a married man. Your wife is not happy with everything that you do. But you're the imam in that house. And you, by no stretch of your imagination, would you allow your wife or your children to just deal with you in any way that they want to deal with you in order to stop you from doing what they don't like. Your wife, you don't, she doesn't like some things that you're doing. You wouldn't tolerate her just trying to stop you from doing those things by hook or crook. Same thing with those leaders. Those leaders over the Muslim community, as long as they're Muslims and they're establishing the Salat. Like it who like it, hate it who hate it. That's what the Prophet said. Salallahu you have to deal with them a particular way. No, we don't want to do that. We're going to make khuruj. So when it came to Imam Ahmed, when he got arrested, and like Imam Ibn Al-Qayyim said, had Allah not taken responsibility for this ummah, our deen would be lost. The fitna of the Tatars is a big fitna. The fitna of the Qur'an being created. Big, massive fitna. During our time, these kids growing up, and all they see is blood, Iraq, Syria. That's all he knows. Drama, folder, where he comes from, his country. That's all he knows. At least back in the day, some people could say, well, you know, when I was in Sudan, when I was in Somalia, Somalia used to send money to the Gulf they used to send food to the Gulf. Look at, look at where we come from today. Don't be in haste. Don't be in a rush. We learn our religion, take it easy, and Allah His help is sought. Three things, Ikhwani. Allah made them Imams when they had sabr, when they had yaqeen, and also, you have to have taqwa. We're going to deal with that a little bit more next week, inshallah, for the upcoming hadith. If you guys have any questions about today, you guys should question. But before that, um, I don't want anyone to feel like I was like uh, too tough with you guys about the brother. But I didn't like that. It's not nice. I have to ask you guys. Like the Prophet used to say, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. There was a man who came to him and he was Wahshi, the one who killed his uncle Hamza in the battle of Uhud. Hamza was a tremendous personality. When Hamza came, or when Wahshi, who killed the Prophet's uncle as a Kafir, and then he accepted Islam, or he came to accept Islam. When he came to the Nabi to accept Islam, Rasulullah turned his face from him. The man walked to him, he turned his face from him. 
He walked the other, he turned his face from him. And then the Nabi وسلم, said to the companions, Alam yakunfikum rajulin rashida? Is there not a rightly guided man from amongst you who could have stood up and dealt with him? They say, Ya Rasulullah, we didn't know that you wanted us to do that. We, we, we didn't know that. He said, they said, why don't you blink your eyes? Why don't you blink your eyes so we can get a, get a, get a, get a tenbih? He said, the prophets and the messengers, they don't have an eye like that. They don't make jokes like that. Prophet and the messengers are serious. Men are serious. They don't say something to someone and say, but my toes are crossed. In America, if you promise someone and you cross your fingers like that, and I think that means a cross, maybe something from Christian, I don't know. But if you tell someone, yeah, yeah, I'm going to do it, and you have your feet crossed, some, you, you, they believe you don't have to do it. Rasulullah didn't do that. Because that is not befitting of a Nabi. So what's the point here? He accepted his Islam after that. He accepted his Islam. It's a real story. That happened. But he said to the community, isn't there with you a man uh, who's a Rashid, who's going to make a move on his own? Now, I'm not asking you to go kill that man, obviously. Everybody know that, right? I'm not, but what prevents you from going to that man? Hey, what's up, man? What you need? Some water? You need some help? Come on, fellas. All right, anybody? We're going to stop here, inshallah. All right, my man. Go ahead, my brother. What time is the Adhan, Sheikh Abu Muhammad? What time is the Adhan? Come aside. I need to Ten pass. The Adhan, the Adhan. brother he was mentioning about when you make an amr bin ma'roof and nahyan munkar it's possible that someone due to lack of knowledge and experience he can try to engage in this process but because of lack of knowledge and experience it could be a bigger problem like the companions if they would have stopped that Bedouin the way they wanted to it would have been a bigger problem so maybe we could do that that's true but we have a lot of people here who I believe know how to manage that situation. So for you, or this man, or my brother here, you may feel, okay, it's not for me. But if you're looking at the situation and nobody is making any moves, somebody has to have that thing in them to say, hey, man, I have to do something about this. I have to do something about this. I saw on social media, some cat was on the subway in new york and he sat next to a lady he ain't got nothing to do with that lady and he grabbed her she got ready to get up and he grabbed her by her neck and and sat her down and everybody in the train just left her and she was saying help 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 everybody in the train just left now in new york i can understand that the guy may have a hammer he may have a a, a gat it blast you. It may, it may. So I can understand the fear. But what they were saying was the decadence of our societies now. Where are the men to stand up for that lady? Where, where are the men? Where, where is he at? And on the buses that we ride on. I am shocked, personally, since I came to this country to today, that antisocial behavior on the public transportation is on another level because... Everybody's afraid to get involved. Everybody's afraid to get involved. So you get those people, football hooligans, they're drunk and things, they be screaming. Your wife is on the train, your kid, your kid is on the train, and they be effing and jeffing, blinding, they be going off. Nobody say anything. That's the culture here. That's the culture here. Now, I'm not telling anybody to put yourself in harm's way, but you have to pick your fights. You have to pick your fights. You have to pick your fights. And this is our hakuma right here. Who are we waiting for? Who are we waiting for? I saw over there CCTV and Morrison's. We're going to wait for them to come over here? 
Did you guys see the CCTV, the mobile thing in Morrison's? You saw it? Alright, you guys scare me sometimes, man. Having me thinking I'm the only one. Anyway, we ask Eliza we just to help us. When things like that go on in this masjid, you have to feel since it's your job. And if you went to another masjid and you held back, you were mutaraddit, mutahafiz, even in another masjid. You have the right if you... This recording was produced by Green Lane Masjid. For more information on the activities and services the mosque provides, please visit www.greenlanemasjid.org.